I'll go to something that ranks highly on Google and read their content. And it is just from like my perspective, it is designed poorly. It's organized poorly. I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> it's at like that, like minimal level, it's embarrassing. And then two, it's just user centric. And people talk about the helpful content update and Google, like becoming an authority. Well, one of those and that e is like, is it's just easy to consume. You know, it's organized well. Um, you're answering the questions properly. Your website is put together properly. The navigation is simple to use. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Levi Olmsted. Levi is the Associate Director of Content at Wattfix. He has previously uh, led marketing teams at uh, Second Kitchen at, at G2.com. Uh, uh, he was recommended uh, by one of our previous guests, and I'm really excited to be uh, talking, you know, and, you know, welcoming, welcoming him uh, on the show today, uh, Levi. Welcome to the SaaS SEO show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat this morning. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I've heard many great things about you. Uh, so before we get started, as we do with every guest here at the SaaS SEO show, uh, could you please share a couple of things about you and your journey uh, just so we can connect the dots and understand you know, why you're here today and why you're doing the things that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Um, all the way back to like school um i went to indiana university i went to their media school um i really wasn't sure what sort of you know things i wanted to do after school i knew i wanted to do something in content creation um but in a business aspect um so yeah advertising school media school um learned some basics there and i had no like real path after that what i wanted to do i found a really small startup in chicago um called g2 crowd uh, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with now. Um, 15 person company at the time. I drove up, uh, had an interview, and I was starting within a month of that at 23, 22 years old. Um, I had no idea what SaaS even was at that point. Uh, and yeah, when I started there, it was not you know content marketing. It was early SaaS startup. Um, everybody was doing everything really. 
Um, I was managing categories, SEO, software, um, development categories like text editor, um, IDE, things like that, as well as nonprofit software. So not a lot of overlap between those categories, but those are mine. Um, if you're familiar with G2, you went, you know, they have category pages, um, has a software definition, features, products, and then reviews. Uh, I owned those categories. So I essentially was the, um, uh, analyst for those categories. I wrote the report, read the reviews, added the products, uh, defined the, the category space. Um, I moved from there into review acquisition, uh, spent all my time just driving reviews. Um, as that was built out, we had more, the G2 was growing so fast. Uh, we went from 15 people to 50 people to 100 people, um, to 500 people after that, that happened so fast. Um, but we, we had a need for uh, category SEO and a lot of our category pages, main category, CRM software, marketing automation software. These category pages weren't ranking very well. Um, and we did not have somebody in-house that could manage SEO or our content marketing. Um, me and you mentioned Jacob Rednick earlier, uh, were kind of hand selected to, to kind of own this project, this SEO project at G2, um, and kind of start thinking about how we get these category pages ranking better and how we drive more traffic to the website. Um, and we just were, we just were thrown to the fire. Uh, um, we started learning, uh, all these basics of SEO from some people that had some knowledge inside the organization. Um, learning a lot by ourselves, learning a lot by just trying stuff, um, throwing things at the wall, see what works. Um, and obviously we, we learned an enormous amount. Um, and that was really like the foundation. And I think the love of content marketing and SEO for me was started right there. Uh, of just having really, it wasn't even content marketing and SEO. It was like, here's a problem, solve it through like SEO and content marketing. Uh, so we started building a lot of links to these category pages. Um, start figuring out how to interlink properly on G2, um, all the on-page SEO stuff, uh, building our learn blog, um, realize the potential of having uh, a, a blog hub on G2. And G2 has so many categories. You can write content about so many things. It's almost endless. Um, and we started focusing all of our attention on that blog, uh, launched the learn hub. I Cannot give you a great date there, but I know within a, a year and a half, we went from conception to one and a half million sessions a month. Our team went from four people to 30 people on the content marketing team. Um, and you know, the rest there is kind of history. I think the Learn Hub is one of the marquee blogs people kind of think about when you think of content marketing um, in 2022 for SaaS companies. Uh, after G2, I went to a really small startup called Second Kitchen. Kind of start that journey all over again. Um, very small, uh, 10 people. I, I ran our marketing organization there. And by marketing organization, it was me. Uh, that was the organization. Um, they are a, a ghost kitchen adjacent company. Um, the pandemic hit right after I started. Uh, and that was scary being in like a hospitality restaurant uh, startup. Um, kind of struggled. We had, I had good success with content marketing there. Uh, it was a much easier vertical than B2B SaaS. It was ranking for restaurant marketing terms and like hotel marketing terms, a lot easier. Um, I did grow a blog there to a little over 120,000 sessions a month uh, in about a year. Again, I, the ranking difficulty was not as difficult as some of these B2B terms. Um, 
left there about a year and a half ago. Um, I was a little nervous about hospitality and the restaurant industry moving forward, especially after COVID, um, as well as I was ready to get back into a larger uh, enterprise software company. Um, I was familiar with digital adoption space, especially with digital transformation being such you know a huge pillar of enterprise companies right now. Um, and this digitalization of every business and knowing a digital adoption platform, you know, empowers the adoption of that technology. I, I was familiar with what fix and walk me in the space from all the way back from my G2 days. Um, and yeah, I love the product. Um, saw an opportunity uh, for a content marketing director position here. Uh, jumped to that opportunity. Um, yeah, it's been a year and a half now. It feels like it's not been that long. Um, it took over uh, our content marketing uh, function as a whole here at WebFix. We have a team of four in-house people, including myself, uh, as well as some freelancers. And we manage our WebFix blog, um, all of our landing page copy, homepage copy. Um, we work on the product marketing team. That's where our content marketing function sets, which allows us to work alongside of the product marketing team as we're launching you know, new products or new solution areas. Um, and it really allows us to have product-led content marketing. Um, yeah, that's been my journey so far. Uh, G2 really was my catalyst, which I think you've chatted with quite a few other people that started at G2 and started that catalyst into uh, marketing as well. We had several people from G2 here at the, at the podcast, and I'm sure that we will have more uh, in the future. We have we had Kevin Indig, we had uh, Jacob Rodnick that you mentioned, we had Brigitte Putker uh the other day and so now you uh and i'm i'm always excited uh when we open the uh, g2 um uh, discussion because it 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 really is one of the best case studies as i see it at least uh some people may disagree but it is one of the best case studies uh when it comes to organic growth for a SaaS company and there were many interesting things that you know, the team at G2 did back then, it seems to me, which is not something that I knew, uh, we discussed that with, with Jacob the other day, uh, that I, I didn't know how difficult it is because I, I never have thought of G2 as a kind of a two-sided two marketplace, meaning that in order for someone to, to visit G2 and get value out, out of G2, uh, there have to be reviews, which which means that you have to work on the review acquisition yeah. side, um, as well as you know acquiring uh, or getting visitors who will be interested in you know reading these reviews. So, and this strikes me because I I never have thought about it that way. I, I thought you know reviews are there. I mean people just uh, had to drive traffic to the website, but it wasn't like that. Um, I would like to ask you know more about you too, but before we do, uh, could you please, for people who, who are not aware of what Fix and what Fix uh, does, uh, could you please give us a, a quick overview uh, of what the tool does and who gets the most value? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what Fix is a digital adoption platform. Um, I like to use the analogy of uh, the the first digital adoption platform was Clicky um, on your old Microsoft suite. Um, Digital, uh, WebFix digital adoption platform, it overlays across of um, enterprise software, uh, SaaS software, and desktop mobile software. Uh, it empowers uh, teams, quite a few use cases, actually. Uh, if you look at it from the product manager side, it empowers teams to create uh, 
product tours, interactive workflows, a lot of this in-app messaging uh, to support your users, um, drive adoption, um, measure and capture product analytics, all that fun stuff. Uh, um, on the flip side of that, uh, you can also think about employee adoption as well as customer adoption. Uh, so your customer success teams, onboarding your customers, um, providing support for them when they need it all inside the app uh, or tool. Same thing, employee software. Uh, I think that's one of the adoptions that people don't think about as much. But enterprise companies are spending a ton of money on uh, SaaS software, especially since the, the pandemic. Uh, um, and making sure that people are, you know, those are expensive investments. So making sure their employees are actually using that software, adopting the features, but also understanding how to use it for each individual use case, right? Like you can use tools for so many different things in 2022. It's not just a one size fits all. So really building personalized onboarding and experiences for your objectives, that's what, uh, what fix can help you build. Okay. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Back to G2 now. Uh, when yeah. Jacob, yeah, when Jacob, uh, Radnik was leading the con strategy on G2, uh, G2, uh, you were leading the link building and con distribution strategy. Uh, and I'm, you know, I've heard that you have done some, uh, tremendous, you have achieved, achieved some tremendous, uh, you know, things there. Can you please share any interesting insights from acquiring more than 5k, uh, referring domains in, in less than two years? Yeah, definitely. Before we talk about that, I want to hit what you said a few minutes ago about G2 being multidimensional from the reviewer, the reviewee, reading the reviews. There's actually one more dimension as well, too. There's the selling to uh, products. There's like the the coming and getting your listing um, and taking advantage of those reviews. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's how G2 makes money through signing customers that are then leveraging those reviews. So yeah, they have three different audiences there, acquiring reviews, driving traffic to read those reviews and to convert at the end of the day into leads for these software companies that then you need their product managers and their customer marketing people to come claim their profile. So you really have three distinct uh, personas there. Um, but back to the link building, yeah, we uh, identified that, you know, Captera was in the space. They had been a lot, around a lot longer than G2, but G2 seemed to be the one that came in, grabbed a lot of the momentum um, and become a bigger player than Captera there for a while. I mean, I guess they're still a bigger player than Captera, but Captera still had the market presence that they were around a lot longer. So their pages were had been around for years longer. Their domain had a longer history. All of their category pages, and by category page, I mean the CRM software page, marketing automation software page. Um, those pages all had way more domains pointing to them, uh, backlinks pointed to them than G2's category page did. Overall, when you just compared the domain of Captera to G2, um, Captera had way, if I remember right, it was like four or five times the amount of domains pointing back to them. Um, and, you know, we felt strongly that our experience of the page and the content on the page and the reviews on the page was much better than Captera. And so we identified that, okay, the, the backlink gap might be the reason why we just can't rank for these terms. Um, they're really competitive terms, but we felt that our CRM software page, our ERP systems page, just gave more uh, to a reader than Captera's page. So it had to be the backlinks that was, uh, you know, not allowing us to rank at the top of SERPs there. Um, yeah, so started figuring out how to drive links. We set really aggressive goals for what we wanted our link building to look like. Um, actually, they were insane numbers that we wanted to drive. I think we drove 5,000 and less than two years, I'm pretty sure 
the goal we set was like 20,000. So it was kind of like over the moon goal. Um, but I learned a lot about link building. Um, I learned a lot that you can't just create a team of four or five, you know, we, we brought in freelancers as well as um, contractors to do outreach for all of this content we were producing. I learned you that doesn't really scale. You can, there's only a certain number of emails you can send every month uh, without, you know, feeling spammy or feeling over the top. Um, but we learned a lot of, I would say, evergreen or close to evergreen ways of driving links. Um, things like stat roundups, which I think that now is a common tool in the playbook of a lot of content marketers. And what I mean by stat roundups, for those that may not know what I'm talking about, um, 50 customer review statistics in 2022. Uh, we all know that having in-house research um, is very linkable. You can't always do in-house research. Um, so our stat roundup will just be grounding, rounding up all the statistics from around the web, um, building a, a big uh, one-sheeter that kind of lists all these statistics out, publishing that. Um, you would be very surprised at how many links that could drive. Uh, the big use case I wanted to highlight was um, we were lucky to, to publish one early on on customer review statistics, and that was perfect because customer reviews, G2, synonymous. Uh, so I'm sure that helped us rank well. Um, but also people felt they wanted to link to G2 when they were talking about review statistics. So anytime any content marketer or any SaaS company was writing an article about product reviews, customer reviews, they were linking over to these stats that we were writing in our roundup. In a year, that article gained over a thousand uh domains pointing to it we never did outreach for it um they all were really high powered uh, domain authorities from other SaaS websites and that was just by itself um so we threw that into our playbook and we're creating i don't know anything anything you can imagine that could have stats behind it we started writing um, erp statistics crm statistics sales enablement statistics they all gather uh, and attract um natural links uh Think about yourself if you're going to link to a if you're going to include a statistic in your article you're going to link back to that stat um so it made a lot of sense we also started writing and thinking about how we could apply that to other types of content uh, so anything that has uh, a number value equated with it so what is a good if you're talking about nps what's a good what's the average nps score bad example what's the average cost of onboarding a new employee that's a great one that's one that we wrote here at WhatFix. Um, and that actually acquires a lot of evergreen links as well, too, because people are looking to cite, you know, an article about onboarding. How much does it cost to onboard an average employee? They need to look that up. If we rank at the top of that numbered based query, that's going to acquire a lot of links organically. Um, as well as I think the most interesting thing we did, which was actually really early on when we first started um, thinking about how to drive links. We did not have a large team. It was only a few of us really early on at G2. Um, and we knew that brands linked to their badges. So if you're on G2, you're familiar that HubSpot is named uh, a leader in the marketing automation grid for 2022. They get three or four badges to say, yep, small businesses love them in marketing automation. Enterprises love them in marketing automation. These badges, brands loves those badges. I feel people would pay money for subscriptions to g2 sometimes just so they could put that badge on their website um so like okay what are ways we can you know we could scale this let's figure out new ways to get brands because you're only going to get that uh, that badge if you've driven at least 10 reviews and you're kind of working with g2 already 
So how do we, there's so many more SaaS companies that had no reviews. How do we, how do we go after those companies? One, open the door to get them talking with our sales team, but also somehow get them involved so we can give them a badge. So they're at least talking to us and they're going to link back to us with that badge. So we created a best software by city and country. So we had this huge project that was like, what are the best software companies in Indianapolis? What are the best software companies in Chicago? What are the best software companies in inner name here, like Poland? We went all over the place. We did like 25 countries and I think 40 American cities. And that project attracted over a thousand new referring domains. And I don't have you the numbers on deals, but I know our sales team loved it because they now had this weapon to take to so many companies that they had never been able to talk to before and say, hey, look, you're now included on this new report that we made. Um, we know you don't have any reviews, but you should drive some reviews so you can get these other reports. Plus, like, actually, weirdly, when I started at WhatFix, that was just kind of browsing. You know, you have that weird onboarding phase. We were not quite sure what to do. You're kind of learning the product. At WhatFix, I went to our, our PR and brand page, and I saw we still had best companies in San Jose G2 crowd in 2018. I had written that article. They were still linking to it from their press page. So that was, uh, I think, the most unique campaign we ran. Uh, but it was also so successful in the fact that it acquired so many new referring domains from specifically SaaS companies linking back um, not just to our uh, homepage, but when we sent out um, you know, this press email to these brands and, hey, you're included in this best software list, we also included a PR package um, with it as a zip file. It included their badge as well as a pre-written template that I had literally for each brand that showed any interest, which I wrote like hundreds of these. It would say brand name was named one of the best San Jose companies in 2019 in the sales enablement software category. And I literally would hyperlink sales enablement software to our software page because those are the pages we wanted their links driven to. And we wanted that specific anchor text. So I was writing these for literally hundreds of companies just sending them out. Our conversion rate was like 20%. It was wild. They would just publish them on their PR page. Boom, move on. We got that link, a new domain. And it was a really successful campaign. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's crazy. And also, of course, I think one of the smartest things that G2 has done, and now, you know, it all makes sense, uh, is the fact that, as you mentioned, like these badges is like, are like, are treated by the, the SaaS industry, SaaS companies, like a badge of honor. Like yeah. you want to, you want to have G2's badges on your website because it means something. But, and, you know, uh, like it's, it's great to know, uh, like the strategy and the logic behind it. Uh, but one thing that I didn't know, uh, and I haven't really noticed on, on G2's website, and thank you very much for, for bringing this up. Um, okay, statistics is one of the things that we, I guess, we all know when it comes to um, content that's linkable uh, and can ac help you acquire links passively, let's say. Um, but what you mentioned about anything that has a a numeric value, let's say, behind it, such as what is the average of that, or what is the the minimum or lowest, or whatever uh, of of this. This is also very powerful, and I think it's it's also un under leveraged because we will all use the stats, statistics, or whatever uh, modifiers when conducting keyword research, but we are not going to think about 
the fact that people are also looking for averages because they want to feature an average on their blog post uh, or a journalist who wants to to feature uh, highest value on their article so this is this is very powerful as well um and you know i think that's it, it as as i understand it it's it's quite under leveraged as well um besides link building and i think that the learnings are you know too many uh and you shared some of them with with us when it comes to content because i know that from having discussions with different people who were involved uh in these you know processes and projects back then I know that you published like a, a crazy number of blog posts in a very short time frame. Uh, and I would like to know what you have learned when it comes to content strategy specifically, not just, you know, in, in the, in the context of, uh, like promotion or whatever, but content yeah. strategy, uh, keyword research, like on page optimization, whatever you, you, you yeah. want to, uh, to share with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, at G2, Looking back, you know, we viewed it as a opportunity, like a really huge opportunity that we could write about whatever we wanted to, because I mean, to be completely transparent, um, our North End star was traffic. There was really no other caveat. It was not, we want you to drive page claims, which by page claim, what picks going to G2 and saying, okay, we want to add custom content to our page. It wasn't driving leads. It wasn't anything like that. It was our team's goal, the 30-person content marketing team, was to increase traffic to the website. A pretty blank statement. Um, and looking back at you, you, you mentioned us posting, publishing. I think at the height of me being there, it was like 100 articles a month. It was wild. Like I don't know how we were publishing that much stuff. Um, and when I went to Second Kitchen, I really made tight uh, content clusters around just a few topics. Um, it worked very fast. Uh, looking back, we came to what fix replicated the same thing. Um, when I look back at G two, I think that the two things the not I don't know how to word it exactly the huge opportunity of you can write about whatever as well as the push to write about everything, we need you to support all of these categories, 75, 100 SaaS categories. We need to write content about all of them. Plus this, this North Star of like, we just want traffic. So write about things that you think you can get traffic on like that ASAP. Um, those two things, I think kind of led us down the wrong path of, well, let's kind of go after this low hanging fruit as well as stretch ourselves really thin across all of these different topics, which I think Instantly, you're like, duh, you should have like really honed in on a few topics there. Um, I don't, I, it's a missed opportunity on our part, and I wish we could go back and fix that because I think what we did, we could have replicated it times 10 if we would have just, you know, we had a team of 30, I would say 20, 15 of those people were writing a lot of content, uh, at least eight articles a month. And so instead of giving all 15 people a specific niche, we should have focused on like sales and have one sales, one writer do sales enablement, one do, you know, sales training, one do sales onboarding and make these really tight, similar clusters around similar types of, you know, themes around one larger cluster and then dive throughout into those clusters. I, 
I look back at all the time and think, wow, we could have, when we, I know we went to 1.5 million, but I think we could have done like six, seven million in that time frame by just tightening our clusters way, way closer. Uh, because again, it was just that huge opportunity of right about the, the, the amount of traffic you can get is endless for all these categories that really led us down so many rabbit holes of chasing traffic. Um, and trying to build just like clusters everywhere. Um, and I think that was probably one of our biggest mistakes. Um, and again, I, I think looking back, I, I don't even blame me and Jacob myself because like I said, we were kind of thrown to the fire there. And I, I know a lot of people listening to this, like topic clusters, everybody would say that's rule number one of content marketing. Uh, but we were new to content marketing. We still weren't quite sure of how important that was. Um, and I think that's one of our, my biggest learnings is that really tight content clusters um, is probably the most important thing to uh, a successful content marketing strategy. That's a very important one. And one that um, we try to communicate to, to our clients, uh, to our audience and, you know, anyone we, we communicate with. Um, how do you approach con strategy today at uh, Whatfix? Uh, would you say that you, you know, is this one of the, the elements of your con strategy, trying to dive really deep into very few things? Um, and what else is, you know, part of your con strategy and approach to con marketing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely tight content clusters. When I started Whatfix, when I started at Whatfix, the blog here, they were letting me a focus on the blog. They had looked at G2 and other blogs and, you know, they wanted that to be replicated here um, as well. Um, and one of the first things I noticed was, well, first of all, the design of the blog was really bad. Um, it, this, the nav navigation was horrendous. It was really hard to read, huge content blocks. Uh, um, the font was really small and was like gray. So that was one of the bigger changes in the beginning. Um, but the second thing I noticed was they were writing about what fixes a similar issue of G2, which is a huge opportunity, but also can stretch you really thin that we have so many different use cases and so many things we can write about from learning and development, change management, digital transformation, sales enablement, um, that you want to write about all these things. We have a really large product marketing team at, G at what fix it's probably our largest team outside of our sales team. So our product marketing team, um, in, every one of our solutions from crm adoption erp adoption but even specific tools like salesforce adoption workday adoption um all have a product manager working alongside them building that solution area up and they were writing their blog strategy before i began it at what fix was well we need to support all of this stuff so they were writing an article about workday adoption and then an article about change management management exercises and then an article about onboarding a new employee and then an article about you know digital transformation so it's all over the place so that was the first thing um back to that learning from from g2 i was like we need to really focus on a couple clusters and build them out so the first one we did was learning and development i'm looking at employee onboarding employee training employee development uh we've since moved on to new clusters as well um but that has been my biggest strategy focus at what fixes really really tight clusters get things to work so we can start building out the in-between articles and identifying our gaps in content that our competitors are writing about or that our not really competitors but those that are in the same space as us that are also writing towards somebody that might be onboarding a new employee let's write out everything there um let's build out an entire 
life cycle there. So once we have the, the tofu content, let's start to build the challenges content. Um, let's start to pull them down the funnel a little bit. Let's introduce them to the digital adoption concept. And then let's give them a free template that maybe, you know, most people aren't in a position to buy an enterprise software um, or they even know what digital adoption is. So let's give them a template to solve their onboarding issues, their training issues, their skills gap issues, whatever issue they're solving. Let's create an ebook or a helpful quick hack Google spreadsheet template, um, gate it, get their information, get them into our lead cycle so they can at least start seeing our brand and learning about digital adoption with us. Um, that's our strategy here at Webfix. Um, we don't really, we, we're not a small publishing uh, blog. Um, I know a lot of brands are moving away from that more high frequency blog publishing strategy. Um, I don't think that's a great idea. I think it's still important to publish a lot of content. We probably publish, I think our number for Q4, I was just finishing up our Q4 plans um, <clears throat> a few days ago. I think it's like around 40 articles on the blog for Q4. Uh, so around 15 to 20. I know this quarter was more, it was around 60. So around 20 articles a month. Um, yeah, just really building out our, our content clusters. Um, we try to look at clusters from like a, a, a macro perspective from, okay, HR, LND to a tight cluster. So like digital onboarding to like very, very mini clusters. So like video and employee onboarding and then breaking out like that cluster. And that's how we kind of ta tackle clusters at, at what fix it. Um, the second part that I wanted to highlight too is that content marketing. I think I said this earlier, content marketing sets in the product marketing function, which before I started at what fix, I would have not told you I thought that was a, a, a natural fit. It's been amazing because I work alongside the product managers who are fluent in how WhatFix provides um, uh, answers and solutions to all these problems and very niche personas. So they're able to really empower me to know how WhatFix is contextually helping solve these problems, as well as their buying personas. But also I work right next to them. So I have <clears throat> all this wealth of like product gifts and screenshots so that we can use to really make our content product led. So anytime we're using screenshots, it's a what fix screenshot. Um, and it's really investing in product like content marketing. You mentioned uh, in the beginning of this answer, you mentioned experience and design it yeah. was one of the first things that you did. And you mentioned it um, again, when you were discussing, you know, the first steps, let's say at G2, uh, when, where the, you know, you discovered that the, that the experience was uh, better um, compared to you know, other review sites. And I would like to hear your thoughts on experience and UX in general, uh, when it comes to content and SEO, because I think that it's one of these things that we choose not to do as content marketers, as SEOs, as you know, whatever, uh, however you want to label uh, us, we choose not to do it. But I have several examples of you know, UX becoming an increasingly important, um, not factor, because I don't want to examine everything under the lens of Google search, but um, a very important, uh, let's say, um, uh, factor that determines the success of the piece of con, whatever, you know, this, this may be. And I would like yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. I will go as far as you just said. I think it is a huge factor. I, we talked early on about link building. 
kind of falling off in terms of its like relevance. Obviously, it's still important to get things ranking faster. Um, but for me, I spend so much time on design. I think one is because I uh, really obsess over small details sometimes, but I it's the most outside of the content itself and like the tight content cluster and like the really strong writing. I think it's the next most important thing. If somebody comes to your website and your website is presentable and is fluid and you enjoy your experience and you're able to find the answer to your question right away and navigate that page and it's a pleasant experience that the pleasant experience is the closest word I can get to it. I don't even know the actual emotion people feel when you go to like pitchforks website and the landing page is just beautiful. And it's, it's just so well done. It makes you want to share it. It makes you want to read the rest of the article. It makes you want to come back and read their other stuff. Um, there are so many brands out there that you go to their website. I'm sure we're content marketers, so I'm sure not every single person thinks this, but I'll go to something that ranks highly on Google and read their content. And it is just from like my perspective, it is designed poorly. It's organized poorly. I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> it's at like that, like minimal level, it's embarrassing. And then two, it's just user centric. And people talk about the helpful content update and Google, like becoming an authority. Well, one of those and that e is like, is it's just easy to consume. You know, it's organized well. Um, you're answering the questions properly. Your website is put together properly. The navigation is simple to use. A, a great user experience is at the center of ranking well. And it is overlooked by so many content marketers. And like to what you were saying, I think it's because a lot of content marketers are scared of, you know, UX seems like a more hard skilled concept. They think they have to learn a programming language or JavaScript, or we have to rely on our development team to come in and make this change to, to WordPress. This is something that I feel like I'm in a very small minority of, but we use a tool called Elementor at What Fix. Um, I it blows my mind that content marketing teams are using WhatFix like raw editor and then having like just CSS and HTML um change the design of their, their pages. We I built a custom landing page template in Elementor, which if you're unfamiliar, Elementor is a website building tool that sets on top of WordPress. Um and then we go in and we pull all of our content inside Elementor and then up we create global widgets so they can be changed across the entire website. <clears throat> we own the design of our individual blog posts 100%. No designer, no uh, engineer has touched those pages. We own the design top to bottom, which allows us to A-B test, create the experiences we want to. Um, and we've learned those skills. Like we've learned HTML and CSS. Uh, we've learned how to use Elementor, how to do all these small things to make every single article feel like a landing page. So you go to a blog and you hear all these blogs, this is boring, this is awful. There's no difference here. I go, you know, people a lot right now talk about five strategies to improve digital adoption. And every digital adoption website has the same article. Okay, well, you can do so many different things to differentiate yourself. And one of them is page experience. Um, and just having a user enjoy reading your article because the navigation is nice. It's easy to read. They enjoy being there. Um, and that reflects itself in your time spent on page and your number of articles you went through and even like subscribing to your email newsletter. Like if I go to a brand that has a beautiful blog and I know I, I literally have examples, I have them all pinned on my, in my browser. Cause I go to these 
It's one of my biggest reasons if I pinned your blog is because of the design. But um, Ahrefs, fantastic. Uh, user guiding, which is a competitor, so I shouldn't even say that, but they have great design. Zendesk, um, Valamis, Guru. Um, it's, it is a concept that, again, like I said, I think if so many content marketers feel they can't impact because they're not a designer or a developer, so they shouldn't push on it too much. And then, you know, when they do, they feel like they have road roadblocks because, well, engineering doesn't have support to make these changes for, you know, this amount of time. You can do these changes yourself with tools like Elementor. Um, and I, I think it's just a huge miss for so many content marketing teams right now. I agree with you. And uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. And we, we faced the, the same, you know, issue with our own website and blog. Um, and we realized at some point that, you know what, this website was relevant, uh, like almost two and a half years ago when we started the agency, but now it's not, it doesn't represent who we are. And at the same time, we know from our sales conversations, from people who reach out that, you know, a very important part of the journey is our blog. We know that, and, you know, we also see it, uh, through Clearbit, but we know that people uh, before they engage, before they, you know, book a call with us or whatever, they visit the blog. And I'm like, you know what? The content may be good. And in most cases it is because we write content you will not find in most agency websites, but our design sucks. Like <laughs> it's, it really sucks. And I, I faced that reality and I said, you know what? We, we can't delay that any longer. So what we, and at the same time, we don't have the time to do it ourselves because, yeah. you know, we, 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 we have so much work to do. And so we worked with, you know, two different agencies to help us, um, and hired a copywriter, uh, hired another, uh, designer for, uh, graphics and so on. And very, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, actually, we will launch the new version of the website exactly because I feel that it's, it's a certain perception that you create through the design of your blog, of a blog post or whatever. The content may be great. But unless you, you know, you connect that to, to great design, a, a great overall experience, I think, you know, people are not going to appreciate just great words or yeah. a, a great concept. Like it has to be a, a holistic experience, let's say. And I agree with you. And uh, we just try to communicate that more and more and more to our clients as well, because we feel that this is a like a, a weakness, let's say, that. Uh, mm -hmm. many content and SEO teams have, which I think that UX is, is, you know, massively under leveraged and, you know, it should be, uh, a part of the, the conversation, uh, as yeah. to how we should optimize things and so on. Yeah. There's so many things I, I want to respond to that too. You're completely right. And it's like, clearly if you have a better designed website with better navigation, your like on page engagement rates are going to go up, which at the end of the day, that's going to help you go higher in Google, Google uh, rating or SERPs. Um, also, when you get to the top of Google, when you get between that, that page one, and there are maybe six other brands that are writing something to target that keyword, that's equally as good as yours. Maybe yours is better in this one way, theirs is better in this other way. They're very similar. So the rate, the ranking factors, when are they going to rank better? If your page is designed better and looks better, I, that is a way just to put yourself above that competition and stick out. And the third thing there is 
think about it. It's the same in anything. It doesn't have to be B2B software, anything at all. If you're going to buy a craft beer, honestly, at the end of the day, sometimes the taste of that beer is going to be like secondary to like really cool branding and packaging and putting it all together. Um, you think about any product like that. Like beautiful branding is a way, especially for more expensive items, enterprise software. If somebody's coming to your enterprise software website and you have a shitty design and a bad navigation and people don't, they're just like, this is, what is this? This is boring and embarrassing. It's going to be a differentiator. Yeah, totally agree. Um, totally agree with you. And we could go on and on about this, uh, but we are kind of running out of time. Uh, and I have a couple more questions that I would like to ask, though. So I would like to know whether or not you have a process behind CTA placement and how do you ensure that you're not missing any resources uh, from your content inventory uh, when placing CTAs on your blog? Yep, definitely. Um, so a couple different uh, things I want to talk about for that. The first is we have a really robust content outline brief that we have for every single article and piece of content that we put together. Um, it includes a table with like 30 different things that need to be filled out. A few of those is what solution page uh, should the main CTA go to? What's your buyer persona? And then we have um, topic cluster as well as CTA. And so everything we write falls under a main topic cluster. <clears throat> And then we put the buyer stage, so awareness, um, consideration, buying. Um, and then we have global CTAs for every one of those if you put them together. So learning and development, consideration. We have a specific CTA for that. And then we can go in and tweak, and it will tweak it across all the blogs. Um, we select that before we even write the article. We know what it's going to go to. Um, and so awareness normally is like a template or an ebook. Uh, consideration is maybe like to our what is digital adoption platforms pillar and then buying us, you know, get a demo or to the, the product page. Um, the second there is that we use Elementor. Again, we own everything design on our landing pages and our blogs. Um, so we can make small tweaks if we want to, um, which we do many of the times. We write to so many audiences. Um, let's say we're writing an article we wrote recently was five ERP adoption challenges. So we just took out like software adoption and put ERP adoption. So there's small mini tweaks there. Um, we also do a copy check as well as an SEO check. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that empowers us there was those CTAs is Elementor. Again, I, I feel like if I had to give three secrets to somebody starting a content marketing team, it would be use Elementor to design your website. Um, and you can create templates for all of your different assets. So then you have a little repo right there in Elementor that you can click and there's Every ebook you've ever created, you can just clone a template of the previous uh, CTA, change your wording, change the link, boom, you have it. You can just throw it into your articles without having to create a new CTA every time. The last question I have for you before we uh, wrap things up uh, would be, what do you think the, the future holds for SaaS companies uh, when it comes to content marketing and, and SEO? Yeah, um, I think one big um, trend that's not really content marketing specific um, is general SaaS uh, trend is when I was at G2, there started to be this movement to really niche software, um, either in what its solution was or who it was targeting. So a few examples of that is instead of being a CRM software, um, now they're a hospital CRM. 
I think a better example is in POS systems. Instead of being a just a POS system, you're a, a boutique POS, or you're a brewery POS, or you're a, you know, in there, whatever here, you're a POS for plant stores or marijuana dispensaries or literally anything in between. These are all spaces that then they wanted categories created for. I want dispensary POS system to be a G2 category. Okay. Um, or I guess at best of breed software that only does like one very small specific thing. Um, I think that is flip flipping that to generic. Um, I mentioned G2 or, or I'm sorry, what fix earlier. Um, and what we do, uh, we are introducing this new concept of userization and building experiences that are contextual to the user, not just personalized like onboarding flows and things like that, but like specifically that the platform's experience is tailored to whatever solution that they're trying to solve. And that could be sales enablement or driving NPS scores or learning behavior analytics or whatever. Um, and so brands really going back to this vague messaging that we're just a technology that can help you solve whatever problem you have. Uh, I think that's going to be a, that's a huge trend right now in SaaS. It's just moving back from niche. The pendulum's going back to generic. Um, I think specifically in content marketing. And excuse me, my dogs are both just like ran in here uh, right when I started answering that question. Um, but in content marketing, I see a lot of like thought leadership on LinkedIn right now, um, as well as just like forums uh, talking about. You should be cutting back the amount of content you're writing, uh, write one content piece a month and break it out and repurpose it in all these other places. Do you need to have a distribution strategy? And all of that is obviously true. Um, there's no need to write 100 articles a month like we were doing at G2, um, especially when you don't have a way to get people's eyes on there. If you're writing something and it just sets there collecting dust, you haven't really done anything. Um, at the same time, um, organic search is a distribution channel. And if you can create not just a distribution channel, it's a more powerful distribution channel, I think, than social. Uh, yeah, you can be viral and you can drive, you know, people coming, clicking on your stuff, building a community on social. Um, but if you can have really good organic search and build out these topic clusters, one, you own the conversation around anything in your vertical. You are the one that's setting trends. Two, um, People are coming to learn with you. Three, uh, people pay so much money for Facebook ads and Google ads. You've created your own advertising platform. You don't have to pay money for these ads because now when people are learning about anything in the realm of learning and development, they're learning it with you, um, which you obviously you can retarget them if you want as well too. Um, and four, uh, back to organic search is a distribution channel. If you're doing content marketing the right way, you shouldn't be publishing 100 articles a month that are just bad and all over the place. But if you're publishing 30 articles a month and they're answering all of these really tight questions in this cluster, they're going to rank well um, and they're going to drive organic traffic. And I just saw a stat I wrote down this morning. I really wasn't even going to talk about this, but I wrote it down. I saw somebody on LinkedIn this morning, right? 90% of content that you write on your blog will never rank on Google. Whoever says that, and if that's your statistic, then you're doing content marketing wrong and you need to reevaluate your organic strategy. Um, we have a little over 400 articles published on our blog, which is a lot. Um, 50 of them last month, so 13% of them drove over 1,000 organic sessions. 208 of them, 54% of them drove over 100 organic sessions. So 
the idea that 90% of the stuff that you're writing needs to have a distribution strategy because it's not ever going to drive any organic traffic is just not true. And whatever traffic you're going to get from repurposing your blog article into a LinkedIn post, uh, an email blast, all of these things, it's never going to come close to what you can get from just evergreen organic traffic. Um, at the same time, you're going to be able to find creative ways to build more distribution channels from your organic traffic, like your email newsletter list. Throw templates out there and gate them. Just ask people to subscribe to your email. You're going to get a thousand people a month subscribing, and you're going to build a list that way as well too. So, like the idea that uh, organic search isn't a distribution channel is this like weird pseudoscience trend I see right now in content marketing that's really prevalent everywhere I see on LinkedIn, and I just don't understand it. So that's really not the future of content marketing and SaaS, but it's this notion that I keep seeing thought leaders on LinkedIn writing about like all they write about. And I just, it kind of frustrates me a little bit because I don't know if they're doing content marketing poorly um, or if they just found a secret distribution channel that I haven't found yet, but I haven't found that distribution channel that's better than organic yet. And if anybody else has, please, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and tell me. I think that's a great way to wrap things up. Uh, this was <laughs> an, an amazing episode. I think it's, it, it's, it's extremely insightful and I will definitely, you know, urge people to, to watch it. Um, call to action, uh, for our listeners, uh, where can people find out more and, uh, get in touch if, if they'd like. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Levi Olmstead. Um, I have a Twitter. I'm not too active on my, my, uh, professional business Twitter. Um, my website is LeviOlmstead.com. If you want to contact me, uh, I love chatting with people, free consultation. I don't even call it a consultation. We could always set up a meeting and talk about your content strategy. I really enjoy content. Um, and then please check out the What Fix blog if you want to see a great example. This is me tooting my own horn, uh, being a little bit of a narcissist. If you want to see what I think is really good content, please subscribe to the What Fix blog. Come check us out. Uh, see some of the cool things we're doing there. That's great. Levi, thank you very much for being so generous with your time and for sharing all this knowledge. Uh, really, really insightful, great stuff. And I hope that, uh, you know, we will have the time to um, have you or the chance to have you back on the show um, when Watfix will be, uh, you know, the next uh, great case study uh, when it comes to SaaS and, uh, and Conan SEO. Uh, thank you very much and looking forward to future discussions like this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, definitely want to come back. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.